Oh, ah, damn it. I just smashed my knee on this thing. Awesome. We're good? We're live? We are good to go. Awesome. Well, I uh, cannot be more excited about today. We are here with the infamous Tucker Max. Um, so, Tucker, for our audience that's very like geared towards uh, all health and wellness, for them that might not be familiar with um, who you are, I could do it, but I feel like you do it way better. Give them kind of like a brief rundown of who the infamous Tucker Max is. Um, I'm probably most well known for a book I wrote called "I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell," oh, which yeah. spent five or six years in the New York Times bestseller list and sold you know, millions of copies. Mm-hmm. And then I've written a couple other books. Uh, the New York Times said I invented a new literary genre, mm-hmm. and they called it fratire, which is so New York Times because I wasn't <laughs> in a fraternity. Yeah. And it's not fratire; it's memoir, but whatever or satire. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, not memoir, but uh, whatever. So. Um, that's uh, that's kind of the biggest thing. I started a company in in Austin called Scribe. That's been named like the best place to work in Austin a bunch of times. And CEO just won Best CEO of the Year award and and all that. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, a few other things. That's been the main. Just shit, doing all kinds of stuff. Well, and that's that's initially why I was so excited. Was I remember going into high school. Even to this day, I do not read. I just don't read yeah. a lot of literature. But my older brother... I'm kind of yeah. shocked at that looking at you. Oh, yeah. You look it, like a reader. Very yeah. bookish. It's all video. <laughs> I waited for the movie to come out. I uh, <laughs> No, uh, my older brother's like, dude, you got to read this. This shit's crazy. Like it's, And I was like, dude, I don't, I don't really like to read. He's like, no. He's like, you'll relate to it. Like These are funny stories. Then, and yeah, reading them, I, dude, I just remember dying laughing. And it's all we talked about in... Um, Kind of uh, map the course of how my college years would go. When, yeah. One of my friends said, I've done more than anyone to get dudes to read except for Hooked on Phonics. <laughs> like me and Hooked on Phonics. Yeah. So, I cannot tell you how many dudes like oh. you have met who are like, you don't understand. I don't read, but I read all your books. They oh, yeah. were amazing. And I'm like, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Like how cool. you receive that. Yeah. No, it was great, man. They're so funny. And uh, I ended up going to, to college in Chico, California. Oh, which, you went to Chico State? Uh, no, I was at, so I, I walked on to play football at Butte College, which is yeah. the, like the junior college inside of Chico. Yeah, yeah. But we lived, we all lived in Chico and yeah. it was chaos. And I used to always I've just heard refer. heard stories though. That place is like split, like legendary <sighs> yeah, party wise. Lawless. Yeah. I mean, I That's just. I've heard, seriously. Yeah, I, I mean, houses would burn down and no one would get in trouble. <laughs> I, we used to burn couches in the street and. Because no one could sell their furniture, so we just yeah. light them on fire. The fire departments would come and sweep them up, and um, they did riots every month. There were riots because the it used to develop what we call Chico feet, and right. uh, everyone just walked everywhere. It was such a small town, and it was just, I mean, party everywhere in the front lawn. Just it's what you would ex- imagine a movie would be like, right, and right. Uh, yeah, it was. You would have done some serious damage. You'd probably write three more books just spend a week in there. Well, you know what's funny is tons of people uh, are like, dude, I, you know, my, I have way better stories. And I'm like, you probably do. You just didn't write them down. Right? Like, I'll, that's really all I did. Even in my group of friends, I wasn't even the funniest or the craziest. I'm just the dude who wrote it down. That you was it. Yeah. Documented it. Yeah. And so was that something that you, like, you had never intentionally meant to get in to be an, an oh, author? There no. was another. Of course not, dude. I went to the University of Chicago for econ. Like, you know, I played you know, sports in high school. Like, I yeah, I was in all the advanced classes, whatever, but I was never, like, the bookish, dorky, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be a writer. 
like those people hated me always. Uh, <laughs> no, not not yeah. in school. Like I was friends with someone, but once I got out and started writing, like uh, all the the mainstream corporate media, like all those dorks go into writing mm-hmm. and they go work for Esquire or whatever, and they all hated me because like their perception of me was like the meathead who went into their world and beat them at their own thing, <laughs> right? Which yeah. is, but like not really. I, like, I wasn't that good of an athlete. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. playing even junior college football. Like I was playing with myself. That was about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, and yeah. so it's not like I was, uh, it was kind of funny cause the dorks thought I was like uh, this meathead. And then the meatheads were like, well, he's smart. So he's not one of us. And so I was uh, always the dude who was like, you know, like just kind of off on my own, uh, you know, like uh, uh, I mean socially, but then like, the pers- I wrote the stories that I thought everyone did this, dude. It was yeah. n- it was not a thing to me that like when my books came out, they're just stories of drinking and hooking up and being an <laughs> idiot, right? And like I can't believe how many people are like uh, uh, one were like didn't believe that that was possible, and I'm like it's not possible to get drunk and throw up on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like what this is, uh, there were a bit a group yeah. of those. There was another group that were like, oh, well, this is just what everyone does, which is what I thought. And then there was another group, like especially young dudes who were like, I had no idea that this was happening. I'm so excited. And so a whole generation of dudes grew up, and girls, a lot of women, grew up like, oh, I'm going to do this. Even They were going to do it anyway. They didn't know, right? (laughs) It was coming for them, but they just thought like I was the guy who invented it or the the one who like – and so I get so many like, oh, man, I learned to drink from you party for me like dude you would have learned this anyway yeah. i promise yeah. <laughs> i just wrote this down well, that was it. it one thing i always loved about your book um was so growing up me and my brother my dad used to have crazy stories right. he was like a drummer in a rock band like back oh, yeah. in the 80s like he just and then he would purposely try not to tell us and then his <laughs> friends would and we just always wanted that and then when your book came out i just remember being like oh man like right. this is what we want to do and yeah. i think that's maybe why a lot of people related so much yeah. was it was authentic you yeah, know of course a lot of literature now is just so just most of it is stupid pretentious you know, boring there's a narrative mm-hmm. you know there's yep. an agenda behind it and yep. yours was just here's what i did yeah here's some chaos for here's you. my life you know? and yep. so how how was that you know when you first came out with i hope they serve beer in hell was there quite a bit of backlash too publicly uh you know okay it's funny now so like uh uh, cancel cancel culture has always oh. kind of existed. It, the difference is when I, my book, my website came out before the book. So I was like one of the first ones to do like a blog and first one to go blog to book. So my site went up in like 02. My book came out in 06. And like at the time, the people who got upset about everything were fundamentalist Christians. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, no, seriously. Yeah. All of the the shaming school marm people, you know, shouldn't do anything fun types. Mm-hmm. They were all on the far right. Now they're all on the far left, but it's the same people and it's, it's the same energy. They're nope. just, they've just switched sides. And uh, so I had tons, <laughs> yeah. tons of people who hated they were the people who were jealous, but they don't count. The ones who are like, oh, you know, you're not allowed to have premarital sex and, you know, yeah. drinking's horrible and blah, 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 blah. Like, those people were, all, like, they still exist. They're, yeah. they're just now, like, uh, you know, uh, editors. Yeah, yeah, they're blue-haired uh, <laughs> douches. Uh, woke idiots. Yeah. Now, the, before, they were, uh, like, uh, they were blue-haired but old. They were blue-haired yeah. because they were so old. They were right? trying to look young with their, right. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, so, yeah, it's, cr- I've seen it in just 20, 25 it's, years. 
the whole thing completely switched sides. It's insane. You know, uh, I, I was talking about that. I've, I always end up talking about that with just different friends. And, you know, I grew up actually, it's so funny you mentioned that. I grew up in Boise, Idaho. That's where I'm from. Oh, wow. And so you look like a dude yeah. from Idaho. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, well. If you'd said, guess where I'm from. I would Idaho. have picked uh, <laughs> mid, South Texas or Idaho. Oh God, no! Those are the uh, two places. Yeah, from Idaho, good old Boise, Idaho. Yes. And we, uh, yeah, you just there wasn't a like we made our own fun. Yeah, but it was limited. Yes, and then when like you were saying when you get into college and you go and experience the chaos, yeah, it's, right. it's so much better. But growing up in Idaho, yeah, it was I couldn't say a lot of things around certain people because we had that demographic and then a lot of mormons too yeah. Oh, yeah. which by the way are they can be the wildest ones you know you get can be yeah what you, they, yeah you get them oh, out oh, of dude. that that yeah. circle for a day and it's yeah. you're like dude where has this been hiding i know and they're I my know. favorite and yeah. so um but and so uh, you know after um you know you didn't really have the benefit of social media back then as well, too. Was there, Not really, I think no. it was just MySpace was, which MySpace started in 04. Yeah. So. And, and, and like by then I was, I was kind of on the come up and then Facebook was like oh five or oh six. And so like I, I kind of caught the first wave of social media, but not like, you know, Instagram oh, or TikTok, obviously, or no, no, I was, I, it was when the internet was still like kind of a wild west. There were web pages. That's mm -hmm. where you went. You didn't have the walled garden of apps now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, which do you think that would have having the tools today back then, do you think that would have done more good or bad for you? You know, um, it would have been different because it, when I started, um, my goal wasn't to be a writer, yeah. right? My goal, I was writing emails to friends. And so like if, if, if the, if YouTube and Instagram, let's say like, like if the video, um, uh, platforms had been around, I don't think I would have been a writer. I think I would have like literally been like, you know, uh, a few years ago, there was that whole group of people that like, uh, like the DJs or whatever, the people who would film themselves at parties and they, and they uh, kind yeah. of blew up on early Instagram. I can't remember any of their names. Cause, yeah. but like, I probably would have been that type or right? like a blogger, like kind of have like no, the Paul I, brothers right, and stuff. I, I would have been, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd have been like Jake Paul or whatever. Yeah. Like one of the, I would have, that I would have gone into, cause it's way easier to do. Yeah. And I don't mean that as an insult to video, like video is difficult and I get, but it is way, way harder to develop a skill set around writing mm. because you got you, you got to be a great storyteller and funny. And then you also have to develop a skill around the medium. Whereas if you're going into video, you can hire videographers and video people uh, pretty easily and pretty quickly relative. You can't really hire people. You can hire editors at best, but you can't hire anyone to like write your shit for you. You got to uh -huh. develop your voice and, and, and uh, yeah, you got to learning to develop video style and all that stuff is hard and difficult. And so I'm not taking anything away from that, but it's, it's a much lower lift. Yeah. And I would have gone into that world. I'm almost positive. Had I started like even five, six years later, I think it would have been inevitable. Today's episode is brought to you by Regen Health and Wellness. The team at Regen Health and Wellness is devoted to helping patients revitalize, repair, and renew the optimal blueprint of yourself. They provide an individualized and concierge model of healthcare, empowering patients to optimize their health span and overall quality of life. It's said no one can escape father time, but almost everyone can make the conscious decision and commit to living better and healthier lives. It begins with a mindset. They offer both in-clinic and telemedicine consultations. So whether you're due for a routine checkup or struggling to hit your health and fitness goals, go online or give them a call to schedule your appointment today. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it is crazy how rapidly things change now. Just, you know, you start getting comfortable with one platform or right. one way of, you know, telling a story and it's like 10 other things pop up and you know, the, the stories are so wild. I do encourage people. I tell people all the time. And, and once we had scheduled this, I was just telling everyone how excited I was. And they were like, Oh, I don't think I've read it. And I'm like, read it. Like, you'll <laughs> love it. And did a lot of people, um, really, question the authenticity of like each story too yeah, so you get a lot of crap for that well, like i got both i got people who are like your crazy story is just an average tuesday to me like this isn't crazy and i'm <laughs> um, like okay cool dude yeah. go write down your stories yep. and go make a lot of money or there were other people like this is uh, all lies no way that like there were people who questioned literally that like this is possible mm-hmm. and i'm like have you never been to a bar? Yeah. Like, have you ever been to <laughs> yeah. a party? Yeah. No, seriously. Those were, those were the types that I couldn't understand. Yeah, there were some people who were like, oh, the stories are fake or whatever. And I'm like, it, most of the people who got upset about that, I would ask them, like, what do you actually think is fake? You think it's yeah. fake that I got so drunk I threw up on myself? Like that? Like, you can walk down yeah. 6th Street any night and you see 20 see people yeah. doing that. <laughs> so what's fake about yeah. me doing it, right? I mean, there were a couple stories that that's that that some people got all fussy about or whatever. Um, but no, most people because uh, uh, because either they would be my age or they they had enough experience. Like, oh yeah, I've done stuff like this, of course. Or there were people, or they were like young and they're like, oh, I want to be that dude. Most of the people who were like uh, either. If they were upset about it, mm-hmm. they were like they had their own issues with sex or whatever or drinking or they just they were honestly envious or jealous, right? And so they're yes, like yeah. like uh, you know, they were upset that some dude was doing the things that they wanted to do but weren't doing, you know? Yeah. It's resentment. Exactly. I deal and with so, that shit all the time. Well, yeah, you have any success in any field, then that's going to happen. Like yeah. the biggest chiropractor in Smithville probably gets a lot of jealousy <laughs> from the two other chiropractors, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's just how You're it like, works. I'm better. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, no, I I think it's kind of a sad thing, but I, I'm totally with you on that. It's uh, a lot of it is born out of resentment. People right. that wish they thought of it or they did it first, and it's like, you know, and a a lot of it too. I've noticed uh, a lot of these really cool stories and things are just very spontaneous like there was no actual plan to do it no. you just were like hey, this sounds like fun no i and so. my favorite part is like people are like, well how are you like you have a crazy night every night i'm like dude there's only 20 stories in the yeah. book right so it's not yeah. like i didn't like one weekend thousand yeah. stories because every night was yep. amazing no most nights are whatever yep. but you get i was one of the first ones to really do any of that publicly and talk yeah. about it publicly and so it's like I took the brunt of all the nonsense and then all these people came after me, most of which weren't talented, but some absolutely were. And they didn't have to deal with any of that. You know, it's sort of like, oh, like, well, he's just like Tucker Max, but gay or he's, yeah. you know, it was like, <laughs> yeah. like, or she's like yeah. Tucker Max, but this or whatever. And then it was like, it was easy, yeah. right? Well, uh, the name Tucker Max too has such a good like ring to it because it, it, you know. Oh, that's another one. There were a lot of people convinced that uh, this one person, no shit. Uh, like went to the like did a deep record search convinced that that was not my name that like you know that i made it up <laughs> or like a yeah. stage name. right yeah. stage name and i'm like no dude my parents you know were shitty parents but they gave me a yeah. great name like that's <laughs> yeah. my actual name. sketchy like uh-huh. i had to take a picture i didn't have to but i ended up taking a picture yeah. of my driver's license being like, look oh yeah but you got a fake birth certificate yeah. and court records i'm like shut up yeah. okay dude at some point you're just <laughs> like i don't need that. to yeah right. <laughs> entertain the same more yeah. idiots yeah i uh 
I can't, I can't stand it. I, you know, when I started this, it was just a silly shout out page. And now, right. you know, like I was talking to you about earlier, we just, we're doing an expo yeah. and I've only had this for about three and a half years. And man, do I get some shit from people that are like, yeah. Oh, there's other ones like that. Or, you know, you could be doing this right. And you're like, yeah, in whatever. If, you well, know, why if, haven't you solved yeah, world hunger? Yeah, poverty yet? that's what I'm saying. You know, it's <laughs> like all these people got complaints and that's, that's kind of where I was going is, it, it, you ever notice it's always the most miserable people that of just course. complain the most and try it, to trash whatever you're doing? If you're happy and content, why would you be shitting yep. on someone else? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Of course, dude, obviously. Yep. I just get to a point where I'm like, all right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Have fun if, with that. Yeah. I don't yeah. care. Go yeah. on to be miserable. I have 20 other things to focus on. Why do you on? think I live on a ranch and dripping <laughs> yeah. strings with my family? I don't deal with this bullshit. Oh, it's the like, best. Let yeah. people fucking be miserable. On the, yeah. You go over there and be miserable. Have fun yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean, that's it's at a point where you just can't even try anymore. Like some people just I think it gets them more. It gives them like some sort of meaning in life to just attack things. Of course, and well, it's sad because you know? the alternate is they've got to look at their own life yep. and see how miserable it is. And then the next step is to really ask themselves the question, why? Mm-hmm. And the answer is always it's my fault. Yep. It's your if your life is great probably your fault if your life is miserable it's definitely your fault yeah people you know right. and people are just so scared to take that jump i was at a uh, a bar yesterday talking and to the girls working there and they're all talking about what they want to do like oh this is right. part-time and i'm trying to break into this oh like, well, why don't you like yeah. what's holding you back and it's always a million excuses and on they why they can't face yeah that. <laughs> and i'm like just give me one reason why you could make this work like yeah. why you could quit today and go do this and it, it never is but you know that's just some people and it's never going to change. That's most people. Yeah. It's, It'll change when they're ready to change. Yeah. And I'm always trying to be here to be a resource, but I'm not also going to chase that. And so um, did you feel a lot of pressure with follow-up books or was it just more of like... Yeah. You know what's funny? I, I um, So I wrote I four it. books in that series, in the Fat Tire series, and I made a huge mistake. Looking back, I can kind of see. So my fr- if you read all of my books, my mm-hmm. first one has this sort of desperate energy to it that my fans loved. My second and third and fourth book were all way better in terms of writing ability. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they're just, you can tell as uh, I, I'm much better at my craft, right? But um, the the later books lacked that <clears throat> that almost desperate energy. And there was a, a break of about, man, like five or six years between book one and book two. Mm. Um, and I had started writing part of book two and it was like, I stopped because you know, the movie and I went down that, the Hollywood path and I stopped writing for, for quite a while. And, um, it was a huge mistake. Like it really was, uh, uh, the, I forgot, I made the classic mistake of someone, you get a little bit of success, mm-hmm. uh, doing something like whatever that thing is. And then you, um, people will like try to move to the next thing right? Mm -hmm. Instead of understanding where their success comes from, right? If I had kept writing consistently, then um, I I think probably book two would have come out sooner, which would have been better. It would have probably still had that same sort of manic energy. I wouldn't have been able to carry that through for a decade, but I I definitely could have um, uh, 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 had that for at least two books. But then also the big important thing is like, I forgot what it was that got me the initial success. I kind of yep. pivoted off of that instead of staying with what I was doing. Like, um, okay, we just talked about uh, the Paul brothers. Yeah. You know, they're doing boxing and all this, but they also still have their YouTube channels and they still do videos every mm-hmm. day and they, they haven't forgotten what got them there yep. and they haven't left their base of power. 
I made that mistake. Mm -hmm. Like it was not uh, a wise decision on my part. Uh, I kind of tried to use one thing to ratchet to another and I went to a whole different medium. Writing is its own medium and it's not like you can't make leaps to other mediums, but um, I tried to do it very rapidly and honestly, I didn't do it in a smart way and and then I left behind what I was doing that I was really good at that's the reason everyone was coming to see yeah. to see me you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and so um that was not a wise choice like it, it's not that you can't add, i couldn't have added things it's just that i was i, I sh- probably shouldn't have left the thing that i was the best at for such a long period it, did you think the, the when they made the movie about it that played a, a key role as far as i mean the movie away so I, like i'm the one who pushed that like you know i went to i moved to la I wrote the screenplay with a buddy of mine. It was like the hottest screenplay in, in LA for like, you know, two months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we, we, you know, we got it financed. We like you know, everything like uh, producers on the movie helped get it made. So like I was so focused on that and not focused on the thing that got me there. Mm. You know, it's yeah. sort of like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, uh, you, you know, like the classic story, like the, the doctor who gets married, you know, young, and then when he gets his own practice and gets rich, he dumps his wife and <laughs> yeah. marries the hot. We, yeah. I kind of did that, no. and the, but the the it's whereas like the real answer is no, 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 just be with both of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just make sure they never meet. Right. Yeah. Well, no, no, introduce yeah. them. Yeah. It's fine. There's no problem with that. Uh, I was trying to go yeah. from one to the other instead of keeping um, the thing just I was best at. Key roots. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. What role did you play like in the Hollywood stuff? Were you um, helping, I mean, obviously you wrote the whole, yeah, I wrote the screenplay, um, with, with my writing partner, a guy named Niels Parker, um, who's great. Like he helped Matt best write his book, you know, uh, oh, yeah. uh, black rifle and, and a bunch of, he's done a bunch of other stuff. Um, uh, I, so I wrote the screenplay and honestly the, the movie, uh, was not very good. And a lot of the reason is my fault, even though like I wasn't the director, I wasn't the main producers, et cetera. I kind of picked all those people, you know, like we could have worked with almost anyone in Hollywood, like at that, at that point point and I, I did a very poor job picking who we were going to work with in most cases mm-hmm. and so um like uh yeah i mean i i uh, it man that whole that whole situation was was unfun dude yeah. it was unfun it was not it was <laughs> it was uh it was two i guess three years three of the hardest years of my life and um uh th- Man, it was like, it was so rough to watch it all fail. It, it ended up being, I mean, listen, it's, think about how hilarious this is. Hold on, because I always got to recognize this. Today's episode is brought to you by Avatar Nutrition. It is always a treat to show some love to our sponsor, Avatar Nutrition. Avatar is actually owned by my friend Mark, who is a lifting buddy of mine from the gym. What I didn't realize at the time is that his app has been used by close to 200,000 people, and they've used it to lose over 2.5 million pounds of pure body fat what's really special about avatar is that it's a complete service delivered through a super easy to use app see avatar is the og in the macros game and created a process that makes counting macros both fun and simple to stick to long term you've got unlimited support from their community and experts on staff and they are in the business of giving their clients results that last try it free on the app store or google play store for two weeks and if you love it as much as i do it's just 9.99 a month after that or $97.99 for the annual rate if you want even more of a discount. If you're a coach, trainer, or you own any kind of business and want to use Avatar to facilitate game-changing nutrition coverage for your people, Avatar is a program for groups too. Just contact them through their website to learn more 
at www.avatarnutrition.com. So here I am. I had a movie made about my life before I turned 33, or 34. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when I was 33 years old, I had a movie made about my life and it didn't do $100 million in the box office or even, it's, it's since done 10, but it didn't do $10 million. Mm-hmm. And, and I like uh, was totally crushed. It felt like it was a failure. Whereas like, I could look at the same set of facts and be like, look, dude, I got a movie made about my life, a real Hollywood movie with actors and everything. And like, no, dude, like uh, uh, I was totally crushed. And of course I blamed everyone else for a long time. And don't get me wrong. The director was terrible. And there were a bunch, I, it was all, it was my, I picked those people, you know, like probably the most important thing that ever happened to me professionally was that failure and then how I dealt with it. Mm-hmm. right oh yeah because i dealt with it horribly at the beginning and then as i grew and evolved and realized now nah, listen like you can blame everyone else or you can actually eat the turd in front of you that you <laughs> that you laid yeah. right instead of trying to shovel it on it and yeah. then once i did i was able to like not just move past the event but like because you know financially it was fine for me like it was other people's money it's not like like i lost any money <laughs> but like um uh, uh it was um emotionally uh, it was oh, really okay. hard for me and it wasn't even that bad prefer- i, sh- I could have kept making movies like in hollywood once you make a movie you can basically you've how many You're people set. have you seen just keep failing upwards right it's actually easy to do well, in hollywood especially nowadays uh, movies right. are terrible so but uh no i was um uh the w- once I turned and realized it was my fault and really owned every aspect of sort of my role, then I was like, oh, dude, now I can actually learn from it. Now I can move forward. Now I can actually grow, you know, like instead of blaming everyone else. Yep. It, I mean, you couldn't have said it better. I, I'm always preaching to people, especially like young entrepreneurs trying to come, come up is, right. you know, failure is often taken out of context. To me, it's just a really great lesson learner. Like, the only way you can improve is to fail, you know, is to learn from your failures and, and kind of learn what works. Well, if and, you're smart, you learn yeah. from other people's failures. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> not wrong. You don't, you yeah. don't have to personally fail. Oh. Like, I, I'm with you. I, yeah. No, you're right. There's yeah. a great saying uh, that stupid people repeat, repeat their mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Smart yeah. people learn from their mistakes, but the really the wisest people learn from the mistakes of others. I'm definitely not the wisest, no. right? I've had to make almost every mistake. Although finally now, like on a ranch, I'm like looking around like, oh, this dude did this. Okay, I'm not going to do yep. that. That I, like I could do that, yep. and I'm gonna learn the same lesson he did, so I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I mean more in the sense of like uh, I think a lot of people's will they'll let the they'll let their ambition blind them from oh, their course. current like position. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that will forget that what they have now is what they wished for a year ago. Oh, but totally. they're so motivated to that's... continue to grow that it. Uh, you know, sets, it, it holds them back. And so, but it is a great name. What they're trying to do, man, is they're trying to fill a hole in their soul yep. with shit that won't ever do it. It's no. a bottomless pit of a hole that you doesn't matter how much, whether it's women or, you know, pussy or penis or dollars or success or status yep. or Instagram followers, whatever your currency is, it doesn't matter. You That's never going to fill the hole in your soul. It's yep. just not. I wish if it could, I would have filled it. Yep. Like, <laughs> you would I tried this person. Yeah. Right. I, there, I don't mean this as a moralistic no. judgment. I just mean it's just not going to work. No, no. And, and I mean, the you're you're totally right. Because growing up in Boise, I was just having this conversation yesterday. It's so wild you bring it up. 
where I was like no confidence. I got messed with a lot growing up. Like I was everyone. I was the friend zone guy to every girl. And when I moved to Chico, I got, it was a full 180. I got all this attention from women, beautiful women that I'd never seen or experienced before. Lawless town. I could just do whatever I was. Were there any beautiful women in Boise? Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) California. Yeah. yeah, Well, it's like. We had three. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the thing is, is that a lot of the girls in Boise, um, they're very like traditional too. Right. So I, I knew I was going to be traveling. I figured I I had a pretty crazy life ahead of me. And um, then a lot of them too were just, they just weren't into me, but it would California. Yeah. It changed everything. And I thought that that was to, you know, add to your point where, you know, getting with all these girls, partying all the time, having the label of football player, all this was going to be great. And then when it was over, you know, and I'm back in Idaho, it was like, Oh, that's that's not what's gonna fill the gap. Like you nope. know, it's it's man. If if alcohol and pussy could make me happy, I would have been the. Ha- I never would have stopped. Yeah. I'd have been the happiest person on earth. <laughs> yeah. it, it it it's sort of it's like a means to an end, right? Really. Uh, no, no, no. It's uh like like a uh, fast food, right? Yeah. Like you can say whatever you want about fast food. It always tastes good, right? Amazing. But it doesn't actually fill you up. It nope. doesn't actually. It's not healthy. It's like you you start paying the price after time. Same thing. Same yeah. thing with drinking, partying, and that. It's you can't say it's not fun or whatever for a short period of time or whatever or for a decade. I guess it was for me. But like for <laughs> it, like it has yeah. benefits. Let's not yeah. pretend it doesn't. No, it's the problem is the the costs <sighs> usually. Over time, you start to realize, hmm, this is outweighing nope. the benefit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> especially when you uh, start a business and you're like, okay, <sighs> you wake up the next day and you're like, fuck, why did I spend all that yeah. money? And you're like, that could have bought me, you know, this uh, supplies or this. Uh, and that's kind of where things are going. I'm going to be 30 in August. And um, like, I still go out, I still have a lot of fun, but it's really starting to like lean towards like what fills me, like fills that gap is accomplishments through work and mm-hmm. all the goals and stuff I'm setting. And, you for know, a okay. while, yeah, that, that, that'll fill the gap for a while, and then you'll <laughs> you'll start to you'll hit so whatever your level is, where it's like, oh wow, I thought if I was going to get here, I'd be super happy, and I'm here, and I'm only like three percent happier. Yep. It's, and you're going to realize, okay, well, it doesn't doesn't mean don't have accomplishments. It's just like, all right, well, let's what is it that's going to fill that? And then you start to realize nothing external is. Yep. It's not an external thing, which doesn't mean you can't do things that are cool you like. Yeah, but understand, like, okay. Just because I have a Ferrari doesn't mean I'm going to yep. feel cool. <laughs> yeah. Right? No. Like, I, I don't ever see me buying any crazy cars or anything like that. So um, kind of switching gears to you you started Scribe, mm-hmm. right? So what exactly is Scribe? We just help people write and publish books. Like okay. when you write a book, everyone asks you, how do you write a book? I want to write a book. Everyone, everyone wants to write a fucking book. And so I just started literally like uh, a buddy of mine who was helping me with something else. This woman came like, wanted to throw a bunch of money at me to write a book. I'm like, hey, do you want to do this? I'll split the money. He's like, yeah. And I kind of told him how to do it. I'm like, interviewer, here's structure, whatever. And it worked great. And then she started sending a bunch of people to us. And then all of a sudden we had a business. And then it got like, we were doing 2 million in sales. And I'm like, man, I don't know how to like <laughs> scale a business. This yeah. is horrible. And so we hired Javon McCormick, who is running a, a company called Headspring. Mm-hmm. He was a client of ours and he's a total badass at business. And now we're, you know, well into the eight figures, 100-something employees, 300 full-time, 300-plus part-time or, full, or freelance. 
And it's like a, a huge office over on the east side. Like, I don't do shit there anymore. Like, there's <laughs> not, just like, no, there's nothing for me to I'm do. They're like, no, yeah. no, no. It's because it's like it's a full yeah. real business uh-huh. that has policies and procedures. And like, that's not where I operate. Like, I'm not good at that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, if you have an HR, you don't want me around. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if you have yeah. like, here's how we do things. That's cool. That there's a place for that. I'm usually better in the, how do we think up something and how do we get it started? And Problem how do we, solving. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I, I, uh, one of the first things I did when I stopped working nine to fives out here, I moved here about five years ago. I was working at a nutrition store and I would just wanted to do my own thing. And, uh, I had a friend of mine, Emily, that convinced me to like, the best fit would to be a consultant, go in, help companies turn around, like offer some advice, things that have worked in the past, um, you know, problem solve and then get out. Like I was not trying to stay and and kind of shape a whole company. That's not what I do. And so when, when you were starting that or a lot of just the ventures you've had now, was it tough in the beginning to, you know, kind of drop that, that image from, all the crazy stories and the books and like try to be taken more serious or was it? Um, you yeah. Know? I, I've never really worried about that, man. Like it, it, it's funny. It's like, I always get that question. I'm always like, eh. like I, it, what people think about me is their own issue. Not mine. You know, it doesn't, it can impact me. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, uh, I mean, for every person who's like, I don't want to work with him. I've heard bad things. Okay, cool. There's, you know, another one or more who's like, oh, I read his books, you know, when I was in college. I love that guy or, oh, whatever. Like, so, like, w- someone's opinion about me is not my issue. And it actually it doesn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. That's the weirdest. Like, once you, you'll start to see it, man. As you start to get more and more well-known, mm-hmm. uh, you'll meet people who, like, have who have whole ideas and conceptions about you that yeah. have nothing to do with you. Yep. There it's about them and their projection of yep. you. Right? Projection what of their you mean own to them, yep. but nothing at all about you. Yep. Dude, I can't tell you people I've met in my life who had, you know, cuz I'm a writer and I have yep. like a lot of stuff out there. They'll have deep intricate emotional connections and relationships to me, except it's unilateral. It's one way. I don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know their name. Yeah. And then, oh, talking about this and that. Do you remember when you, I'm like, yeah, dude, I was there. You weren't there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like, yes, yeah. I remember. Yeah. That was my life. Was, right. <laughs> and so yeah. like, uh, I can't tell you, like you'll see any sort of fame or notoriety on any level yeah. that starts to happen. And, but, and then, so what you realize, cause it tripped me out at first. I was like, how can you have this opinion about me? That's not about, that has nothing yeah. to do with, it didn't make any sense. I would think, well, they, they have to know me. And then I'm like, one of my friends eventually was like, dude, how long are you going to keep being naive about this? And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, and so then I started real, oh, okay. People have, someone's opinion about me is about them and their relationship to what they see about me has almost nothing, if not nothing. I'm not talking about friends or family yeah. or like coworkers, people who know me. I'm talking about outside, yeah. you know? So I did like, I don't, every second I spend worrying about that is a second I've stolen from my family or myself. So why would I worry about that? Is that just kind of how you deal with it now? You just, all right, block it out. Like, <laughs> well, it's not uh, blocking out. It's like, I don't need, it's not a thing that I consider. It's sort of like if I'm asking you, Hey man, like, are you know, how do you deal with the price of wheat in Bangladesh? <laughs> you're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. It's, and I mainly ask that cause like I have noticed that like, and I was just talking to Marlon about this uh, prior to you uh, coming here was like, I'm learning things about me that I didn't know was happening. <laughs> right, like, right. like there's people that don't like me that are just spreading it. And it's like, yep. 
you know, I'll talk to a lot of like my peers and, and stuff and they'll just be like, yeah, just don't worry about it. Just block it out and stuff. And I'm like, it's so hard because you feel like they're sabotaging your work and like where you're heading towards. And so that's yeah. why I ask how you deal with it. Cause well, it's first you realize it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Right. Then, uh, the, the next thing, honestly, if you're triggered by it, right. Yeah. So if someone says, Oh man, I, you know, like I heard he's, he's really overweight or something like whatever, yeah, right? He's this or that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like if someone said you were weak, you'd probably laugh at them. Right? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It wouldn't trigger you. Cause you're like, you know, Oh no, like, I'm a strong dude. But if they said something that maybe you're, Oh, I heard his, his company's really struggling. His financials are bad. If that wasn't like, if you were anxious about that, if you had an insecurity about it and then you're like, fuck them, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got all this money. Account. Look at my fucking big statement. Then it's like, oh, okay. So you, uh, what I use those people to help me with is uh, they actually show me where I'm not as confident, not as secure, not as together as I think I am. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're right about my bank statement. Like I know what the uh, numbers are. It means that I'm uh, insecure and worried about that, right? Like yeah. if I'm triggered by what someone I don't know is saying about me, that's uh that's a, a that's an indicate it's a teacher for me mm-hmm. to look at and be like oh why am i so upset about this yeah even though it's not true like what what am i pissed about you know yeah no Does I, that makes sense yeah you know you're totally right yeah it's it's been new so when i started this i'd purposely kept my face off it i right. wanted it to be a brand so right. no one knew who ran it for years uh, and then when i came out the show i was like there's no way i'm gonna let someone else run it right. and i just progressively as the show just continues to get more and more popular and we get all these really cool guests i've just noticed like also it's exciting but then there's that other side of like constantly getting shit on and i'm like i don't know what else to do about it so i, I mean <laughs> the, uh, I, i'm telling you dude it's, yeah. haters are actually also fans is the thing you got to understand yeah. right like it, when you're in media the the real currency is not money it's attention haters are paying attention you know, which doesn't, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, like, let, go piss them off. You can yep. take a controversy perspective. That works for some people, doesn't work for others. I, but, like, those people are helping you, dude. Yeah. And, it, like, it, they don't know it. They don't think they are. But they are. It's free right? publicity. It, yeah. it, seriously. And so, like, especially if you're doing the right thing, if you're being solid, you're treating people right, you're showing up in the right way, then I wouldn't worry about it at all. Now, like, listen, if you're, like, you know, burning down people's houses in the background and no one knows, like, I'm going to keep this secret, all right, well, then maybe you got shit to worry about. People are like, I heard he's a pyromaniac. Maybe it's true. But, like. There's no laws in Chico. (laughs) You just don't talk about it. Yeah. And in my opinion, if you're, like, building an empire and building a team and building a business, and those are things that keep all your ducks in a row anyway because the people that see you for what you need to be are the ones that are going to last in your empire, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's not really a true worry. You're, yep. you're totally right. I mean, yeah, it's it's a, it's in, it's an exciting and interesting change, and you know, it's it's just getting more fun. And so, kind of on the topic of you know what we have and all this, you know, did was there ever a point where you started kind of dropping all the partying and tearing it up and kind of focusing more on yeah. m- the mental health as well as physical health? Yeah. So I, the movie came out in '09. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was pretty uh, uh, like. The, 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 again, I keep calling it the failure, but the, the, if from my perspective, the failure of the movie was pretty crippling for a little while. I, I moved to Austin as soon as I, like I was in LA, I hated LA, yeah. got to Austin. <laughs> that's when I came to Austin. Cause I was lo- literally looking for the opposite place in America of LA, but yep. still warm for the winter. 
And so I came here and um, <clears throat> that was sort of when it was like, okay, like I, I kind of took stock of my life. Today's episode is brought to you by CBD Online Express. CBD Online Express is a fresh up and coming CBD company that strives to offer the highest quality products at an affordable price to help you in your everyday life. They offer a variety of products such as tinctures, edibles, flour, and even their new recreational line, Oxed Up. They also have plans to introduce water and an energy drink later this year. Go to CBDOnlineExpress.com and get your products today. I was rich, famous, uh, had like more women than I could sleep with, more like the thi- all the things that, that, you know, in my mind at the time that mm-hmm. I thought I needed to have to be happy, I had in ridiculous, preposterous abundance, right? Yeah. And so like, I was like, all right, but I'm still like, I'm way more, I'm way happier than when I was poor and broke and girls didn't like me, um, or at least not as many, yeah. but like, or I had to work for girls, whereas now they yeah. just show up. Uh, but like, I'm only like 10% like better. I should feel like a hundred times yeah. better, but like, I'm, and so I was like, all right, well, let me fix everything. And then I got like, you know, that's when I started CrossFit and I got an amazing shape and I like everything in my life, everything was dialed, right? Like I had a six pack then, like it was nuts. Like I mean, I look at pictures of myself now. I'm like, man, I actually look great then. Like what is, <laughs> what's wrong with me now? Um, and so like, uh, but then I was like, okay, I was like 3% happier. And I'm like, fuck man. And that, that was when I really realized it, I guess I was about 34, 35 maybe 35, 34, when I realized, okay, well, if everything external in my life is awesome and I'm still not happy, maybe the problem is me. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe yeah. it's there's nothing external that can fix this. And I tried everything. And that's when I really st- got serious about therapy and started therapy. And then, um, like, that was, 30, yeah, so this was about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 12 years ago. And that's where we really started on that path, right? And then that's been the thing that's really the whole therapeutic healing path has been the thing that's like been by far the best thing I've ever done. So therapy is in like just talking to someone, just mm-hmm. having that. Um, I well, know I started with talk therapy, yeah. right? And and did that for four years and went pretty serious with a a, a, a psychoanalyst in town. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, uh, after four years, it's like. Uh, good talk. Uh, most good talk therapy is very intellectual, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about your emotions, which is great because if you don't understand anything about emotions, which I really didn't, then understanding them is important. But it like gave me a map of my emotions. But it, what you got to do is feel them, yeah. right? And I wasn't very good at that. I was, in fact, quite bad at it. And so the thing that really unlocked me, um, you know, I tried meditation and yoga and all that nonsense, of course, and like none of that really worked for me. But then about four years ago, I uh, found psychedelic medicine. I was just going to say, I was like, I found MDMA therapy. It's a huge, it's a huge thing right now that a lot of people aren't talking enough about is the benefits of it. You know, it's the most important thing I've ever done in my life. Like, uh, and it's funny people like, but you have a wife and kids more important than them. I'm like, I'd be divorced and I'd be a really shitty father if I had not, like, all the therapy is super important. Like, it's not, like, just that. Mm-hmm. But the real catalyst for me to make the most movement emotionally, to connect to myself, to, to connect to happiness, to everything, was psychedelic medicine, right? And, and again, man, I, I can't emphasize this enough. It's not like, oh, yeah, I just did some drugs and everything was great. No, 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 no. That's what everyone's Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, Wouldn't just, that be great? Just, no, if, yeah. that, if that worked, then all the ravers from the 90s would be the happiest people on earth. Not how it works. All psychedelic medicine does, and I'm talking about like MDMA, uh, uh, psilocybin, LSD, yep. 
you know, like the, the basic ones, you can ayahuasca, whatever. Uh, all it does is opens a space for you to deal. It actually makes your life harder at the beginning because what all the emotions you're pushing away, all the problems you don't want to deal with, all the, the, the shit in your life you don't want to face, what psychedelics do is it brings it to the surface, right? And it, yeah. and it helps you face it, but you still have to decide to face it. And yeah. you still have to decide to feel all your shame and all your guilt and all your grief and all your sadness and all your embarrassment and your joy and happy, uh, happiness and all this other stuff and love. And like, that's hard. It was really hard for me. Um, but like now I'm starting to come out the other end and it's like, I mean, dude, I have this amazing, incredible, blessed life. And, um, like n- n- what I thought sex and fame and money would get me, uh, 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 feeling my emotions actually got me. Yeah. Right. Which <laughs> like, dude, yeah. if you tried to convince me when I was 30, your age, mm-hmm. If you tried to convince me of this, I would have laughed at you, mocked you, and possibly fought you. (laughs) Don't talk to me. (laughs) Shut up, you nerd. Emotions, you're such a loser. And like, that's just the level of consciousness I was at at the time, you know? It just, I didn't get it. I had to suffer a lot more before I was willing to turn and face my shit. The ego gets in the way. Yeah. Oh, dude. but that yes. thing moves right out of the way when you're having those experiences. It makes you very interesting. It depends on your ego. It took me a lot of med. Like the first time I had real, I'm not even sure if it was true ego death, but I had a, a deep ego collapse or whatever. I had to do eight and a half grams of mushrooms. Dude. Really? <laughs> dude, I, I had a pretty experienced mushroom shaman. Start me at three and a half, right? And he, I talked to him. He, we kind of, you know, he knew me. He, he's like, I don't, three and a half might work. We'll see. He's like, but you know, like, and we talked about, I'm like, yeah, give me as much as you want. I want. Then did another gram kicker at an, at an hour. Cause he wanted to see me at two hours, about four, four and a half grams. And I was still fighting it. Not consciously, just my body and it's ego not, and everything, mm-hmm. man. It was so entrenched. And then he dumped another four grams on me. And it was like, <laughs> and I was like, uh, whoop, I was gone, man. It was, it was, like it was a real thing. hard reset. Yeah. yeah, and it was what I needed. It was amazing. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, that was intense. Yeah. That was no joke. One or two of those a lifetime and be okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Truly, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. so as far as, so since doing that, like, did you did you ever grow up with any preconceived notion of what, like, love was? Or is that something that you really were, you opened yourself up to post, you know, So the, the first time I did MDMA therapy, um, uh, it was in New York with a, a guide uh, um, who works in New York. And I w- I'll never forget it, man. Like, you know, I went to her, her office and, uh, you know, like uh, she's a, a therapist. And, um, and uh, uh, like, obviously this isn't legal. So, like, you know, it's all whatever. And um, What is anymore? <laughs> I mean, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, she, you know, she didn't have a sign on the doors. And yeah. I kind of had to find her through friends yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Who wants to do drugs in my office? Yeah. Come over. And so, uh, you know, like, I was nervous and all this other stuff. And my wife was with me um, uh, for, you know, moral support. And so I took it, and it took about an hour and a half because I was kind of fighting it. it. Like, the good thing about MDMA is so soft and gentle, but the bad thing is it's soft and gentle. It's easy to fight, right? Mm. And so... Eventually, I, like I, I literally fell asleep. I took a quick nap, fell asleep about an hour, uh, half an hour into it, which is like it, I don't know who sleeps on MDMA. I did, <laughs> and so um, yeah. it was the first time I'd ever taken it. Like I'd never done uh-huh. any drugs, and so then uh, 
I woke up and I didn't quite feel it yet. So I took like the booster, I had 125 at first and then 75. And then when it hit me, like it kind of snuck up on me, right? I'm sitting yeah. there, whatever, you know, I got my eyeshade on, I'm listening to music or whatever. And then all of a sudden, man, it's like out of nowhere, I felt the deepest, most profound love I had ever felt in my life. And it wasn't like just a little bit better or d- deeper. It was like the difference between like, uh, the difference between chicken salad and chicken shit. Like yeah. it was so different <laughs> yeah. that it was yeah. just like, I, I realized at that moment that I had never felt love before. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that uh, truly, like I had felt, you know, a, some version of it that I thought was love. It was the deepest I could go. And I remember my wife was there and I was crying. I'm like, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. And I'm like, and I like, I'm like, no, you don't understand. And she's like, I understand. I don't think you understood. <laughs> well, like they, maybe she didn't understand. Like you hadn't, or I've had yeah. an experience like this. And t- tell me if it, you know, but like you finally understand everything they've done for you. It, it happens almost like in a reel in your No, head. no, because like, that's too intellectual for me. It wasn't that intellectual. I know what you're saying. It was more like I had never been in touch with that feeling inside. That, that of actual me. emotion. Right, the, yeah. the depth of that love. Yeah. Okay. And so I got in touch with that, and I realized, yeah, of course, I loved her that much, but I had never felt that in me. Like, it was, it had not been, it had not been accessible to me. And the MDMA opened up the space, and then, like, like just the overwhelming love for her, for my kids, for for creation, for the universe, for life. Yeah, I mean, it was like, it was... It was almost overwhelming. It was overwhelming, actually. Like, I was crying, not in a bad way. It was just like, oh, my God. I never, never felt anything like that. And then after that, it was like all the shit came. It was like, okay, you get the good part for a little bit. Now here comes every emotion that you've run from your whole life. And it's... Just a shit show. Dude, and I mean, man, for the, like, that's really what the last three, I think about four years ago I started, last three uh, and a half years or so have been, um, is me facing all the things, uh, the emotions, whatever, man. And dude, man, I I had, I had a session where I combined LSD and MDMA, which is a great combination for me. I felt so much grief. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was feeling the grief of the world. I mean, I felt it was like literally I thought I was dying. Um, It was so overwhelming. It was so drowning in grief. It was just hours. Like LSD doesn't, it takes forever. It's like 12 hours of heaving, racking, full body sobs and all this shit and crying. And these horrible, weird memories come up of like, Mm -hmm. you know, me in my crib alone and crying, my mom not showing up. That's a crazy, a lot of people take this stuff and they realize, oh, all this stuff happened to me that I pushed away or forgot. Like that happens all the time. I knew everything. Like there were, at least to this point, nothing new has come up for me. Like, I knew my parents didn't really care about me that much, didn't want me, didn't love me. I knew that intellectually, though, mm-hmm. right? And they weren't horrible people. They were kind of broken, messed up, had all their own issues. They probably loved me the best they could, but they weren't connected to themselves at all. So, like, you can't give someone what you don't have, right? So, um, uh, even if they did the best they can, uh, they, they at least as parents, they did a pretty poor job. And so, like, I knew that. Yeah. I knew all that. And I knew, of course, that's impact, but like I knew it intellectually. Yeah. I hadn't felt any of it. But like all, it, the grief of childhood that is overwhelming as a child and so overwhelming. This is what the, your body, this is how body deals with trauma as it kind of pushes it away. Yeah. There's a great, if, if anyone doesn't understand that, there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score, which describes all this. It's fantastic. And it kind of stores it away uh, because it's like, you're going to, you feel like you're going to die. And then it comes up. And like, I'm like, oh, now I remember thinking, 
the uh, now I understand why your body, my body stores away trauma because uh, I actually think I'm going to die now and I'm like yeah. 44 <laughs> and I know yeah. I'm not going to, right? But I feel like I am. If I was feeling this at three, of course that's overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> like this, Just right? it down. Like I knew this was coming yeah. and I know I'm not going to die yeah. and it still feel like I'm going to die, you, you know? Had, uh, I wonder if it's tied to, you know, I, like I've I've gotten a lot better at like, understanding and trying to get more in tune with like emotions and being able to put it into words whenever speaking to anyone. But, you know, I'm very, I have a very analytical mindset. So like the week before COVID happened, today's episode is brought to you by Hotworks. I want to let you guys know about an incredible new craze going on in the Austin fitness community. It's called Hotworks. Hotworks is a virtually instructed exercise program created for users to experience the many benefits of infrared heat absorption while completing a 30-minute isometric workout or a 15-minute high-intensity interval training session. As the infrared heat penetrates your body, causing you to sweat, the isometric postures further accelerate detoxification by physically removing the toxins from your organs through muscle contraction. Hotworks is virtually instructed, has 24-7 access, and also offers easy-to-use app-based scheduling so you never have to miss a class again. Hotworks has two locations to serve, located at the intersection of Anderson Mill Road and FM620 in the HEB Plus Shopping Center, and also another location in San Marcos. So stop in, tell them Austin Fitness Community sent you, and get a special free session on us, and check out Hotworks today. Right. Uh, my closest friend out here had killed himself. Yeah. And I didn't really know how to do that. And so uh, I, I usually deal with trauma or anything sad. I mask it in humor. Right. And, and a I lot think, of people do. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, that's kind of how people deal with grief and trauma. That is one thing. way. And, uh, oh, yeah, there's definitely some yeah, there's dark other paths that people go. <laughs> but uh, I have noticed that trend. I've always been super um, interested in psychology and sociology. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have noticed that it, a lot of those are tied to analytical thinkers and you know, authors are some of the most analytical people I've met. So I wonder if that yeah, has so, any type of connection. Uh, uh, in my experience, man, uh, uh, being analytical is a way. They, look, there's nothing wrong with reason and logic yeah. and 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 rationality. That's great. Like if you're trying to build a bridge, I don't want your feelings about <laughs> yeah. what's going to keep the bridge up, right? Yeah. I want like real empirical data. I want all logic, right? Yeah. But like when you're talking about emotions and feeling. Reason and, 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 and uh, analytical mindset doesn't work there. It doesn't help, right? And our, uh, our bodies and our brains can contain both. And I think a lot of the problem is people, I, I know I was, get so stuck in analytical, logical uh, reasoning, which which is cool when you use it in its place. It's yeah. like it's, it's a hammer, right? And if you use a hammer to drive in screws, you're just going to fuck everything up. Right, but if you, as long as you keep the hammer to nails, you're good. Right, use the screwdriver for screws. No. And so, like, uh, uh, yeah, dude, like, uh, analytical mindset is a great way to avoid emotions. Right, yeah. like, if you, it's and if if you're if you have some really hard emotions you don't want to face, I get it. That's what I did. Yeah, for decades. Right, and I get it. now that I spent the last four years really feeling this, man. I know why I avoid. It was horrible. Yeah. This is not fun. <laughs> it is yeah. not fun to spend twelve hours nearly vomiting from oppressive grief. Yeah. But dude, 
three weeks later, I was like, holy fuck, I had no idea I could feel like this. Like, it, was, it was amazing. The, the, I had let end, all yeah. of this go. It was like I had lost, you know, it's a... It's like do you know doing one of the uh, you know like a CrossFit do you yeah. the Murph workout and you wear that horrible weighted vest yep. for like an hour while you run and then you take it off and you're like I feel amazing <laughs> yeah. that's exactly yep. what I felt like with grief like Just letting go of the grief weight off your I literally shoulders. I felt like I had lost a thousand pounds man it was so god it was so good is it something you have to continue to manage or is it something that like you went through it and you're good or is that something you continue so to go back it, to it's a little bit of both right okay. so there's definitely things that like experiences or emotions I've had. It's like, Oh, like I can feel this and now it's gone. Mm -hmm. And then there are others that are like behavior patterns. Like, um, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I still have to, uh, I, I mean, my, you know, uh, my kids, I get, uh, one of the things I have to work on the most with my kids is I can get a bit quick to anger, mm -hmm. quick to snap at them, you know, and I've gotten way better at that. But even still, like for me, cause I come, my, uh, my family wasn't very good. I came from a family of yellers, right? Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but enough of them were yellers and angry. And and then I ended up kind of adopting some of that, right? And uh, and then now dumping some of it on my kids, which is fucked up. Mm -hmm. Way I'm way better than what I got, but that's like you know people are like, wow, well, I'm better mom than my mom was. That's cool. You're still <laughs> yeah. a shitty mom, yeah. right? Was, well, the same <laughs> thing. Bar wasn't set that high. Yeah, right? <laughs> same thing's true yeah. with me in, in that realm. Uh -huh. Like like uh, way better than I got but still not uh, not good enough, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a thing that I've had to really continually work on. And it's not just feeling the, the underlying anger and the emotions, right? It's also resetting those behavioral patterns, right? Because if I've, it, <clears throat> okay, so in men, anger is usually, not always, but like it's, this is true for me, anger is used to either chase away uh, shame or to hide grief. Right, and I had a ton of grief and quite a bit of shame, and so like I had all kinds of anger, yeah. and so like whenever something happens with my kids and I start getting angry, then I've got like, what I what I do now is I, I really work on first off catching it before I snap at them, yeah. right, which is uh, really important. But then if I if I don't catch it and I snap at them, then it's like okay, hold on, hold on, I just dump some shit on them that's not theirs. Yeah, now what? Right. And so then how do I deal with that? Right. And it's not just saying sorry. It's like, then we got to walk through, Hey, daddy made a mistake. Yeah. You know, I'm not supposed to do that, you know, but we all make mistakes and daddy's made one. I'm sorry, you know, yeah. and then helping them process. Cause they just got some shit dumped on them. Right. <laughs> That's not theirs. Yep. Right. And so, yeah. So some things I got to work on, like, like long-term behavioral patterns that have been part of sort of who I am for a long time. Whereas like, uh, uh, some emotions, some things I can let go of and they just go, it kind of depends, you yeah. know? No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I was very fortunate to grow up with some awesome parents that to this day continue to help and support. Uh, they definitely have their own ways of showing it. We're not very verbal family. We're actions. Are you yeah. grunt? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's up? Like you try to say, I love you to my dad. He'll uh. be like, I need you to leave. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Do you need but, your oil change? Yeah. He's like, like, <laughs> yeah, what you do? Yeah, what'd you do? Like, <laughs> yeah. And so, but they continue to show like their support through actions. And, you know, growing up, we were always, we always would uh, sit down and have conversations like that. Yeah, and course. I think communication is important. Um, so what's up? I was going to say, I'm reading a book right now called uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. And he, he talks about, he's a therapist that helps people with like a quote unquote, like nice guy syndrome. Right. And he was talking wow. about that. Like nobody owes, nobody is owed anything uh. except a child. 
because they weren't like at, they didn't ask to be brought into the world right and so a lot of times like the mannerisms we end up with when we're 30 and 40 yeah. it, it happened because like we were just a kid that had a need that didn't get met in uh -huh. a timely manner mm -hmm. and we it's, developed a strategy to try and get it yeah, of course. Get that need. yeah. yeah. so mm -hmm. that's one of those things where it's like you you grow up with habits yep. and mm -hmm. you're almost they're almost Behavioral like hardwired patterns, like, in yeah. your head yeah they're not you can change them they're, I mean, my habits, so much of stuff that was deep in me is fundamentally yep. changed now. Like, yeah. so much. Not all of it, right? It's still a process. But, oh, it's, it's I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's absolutely possible to change just about any behavior yep. pattern. Yeah. It's, it's just a simple equation. It's, anyway. it's consistency as well. You know, mm -hmm. I, I got a lot of people out here that, um, friends that are like, they don't want to be seen as who they're known for. And I'm like, well, it doesn't change overnight. Like there yeah. has to be a consistent pattern of the change that you're, you know, and the perception you're trying to gain from people. And so, you know, given, given all your, you know, the crazy stories and the stuff in the books, how, how does your wife feel or how did she handle that too? Just, you know, dealing with that. She well, just it's like, for her oh. to handle. Yeah. It's not her. She wasn't in the books. <laughs> like I met her long after oh. they were published you know, oh, okay. and done. And so like, Nothing for it's my stuff, not hers. Yeah, I I, I asked because I, I wasn't, you know, I'm not too sure on how like, you know, meeting women in the past, how they would deal with some of those wild stories, or if that like, if you ever had to come, to I mean, deal with that kind of shit. Once my stuff became well known, mm -hmm. basically every woman I interacted with knew who I was oh. at least to some degree. Okay. Right, like n not every woman in America. I wasn't like I can go to the grocery store fine. I'm not like Eminem, right? Yeah. But but like um, no. but I had so many women coming to me because of who I was that like I just dealt with those women. Like yeah. I didn't need to go pick up girls. And it and what invariably would happen though, which was the the most fun is. Like some girl would be like, email me, ah, oh, you know, I want to hook up with you and meet you. With. And like, okay, cool. Then I'm, you know, be here, come here. And she'd bring like eight friends of hers. And so like two of them would like be huge fans. Um, and then yeah. like four would have maybe read some of the books that they were funny, but whatever. And then like two would only vaguely, they wouldn't really know who I was. They would just know her friends were into wow. me. And so what invariably happened is the girls who didn't know who I was, because I'm actually funny, at least at the time, you know, when I was trying to get laid, I was actually funny in person and charming and whatever. The girls who didn't know who I was usually ended up liking me the most because they had no expectation coming uh, in, right? No. Like the girls who were <laughs> fans, like they always had, uh, I never knew what their expectations were. They could be anywhere from like, oh, I, I hope he treats me like shit yeah. to, <laughs> no, seriously, there are yeah. tons of girls who yeah, came me because they thought I would mind. treat yeah. them terrible and i'm like okay like what the, that took me years to understand was the thing and, but like i never knew what yeah. they usually the people who were fans had such weird expectations that had nothing to do with me that the real me was not what they wanted uh-huh all the time that happened. the character right yeah. exactly or what they imagined yep. the character to be right and so their friends would be like, oh, this guy's smart and funny, and all my friends think he's cool, right? Mm. So, like, I'm, I'm already, they already know I'm high status, even if they, had, they couldn't read at all, yeah. right? <laughs> Didn't matter. I was yeah. like, their friends wanted me, so, like, they like, oh, okay. And those were always the girls I did the best, or I liked the most and connected the most with and usually ended up, whatever, hooking up with or even dating in some cases, right? Um, but no, nah, dude, like, that was when I was single, yeah. When I met my wife, I was uh, like very ready for like a serious relationship. I had a couple in a row that didn't work out, or weren't the right girls, or I wasn't. I didn't want to marry. And then met her, and then it was like, oh yeah, she. It's so funny. 
she uh, read a few of my stories. She's like, I didn't like them. And I'm like, you don't think they're funny? She's like, yeah, they're funny. But right. she's like, you know, I know you. And I, I like, I know how you are. I'm like, she's like, they just felt so sad to me. She's like, I just seem like this. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I actually get what yeah. she means. Yeah. Like, like if you, from where I am now, I hadn't read my stuff for years. And then uh, a few months ago, I had to read a story. And I'm like, oh, that dude's so fucked up. Yeah. As I read it, I'm like, and like, it, but like, uh, it was like, oh, shoot, dude, you have no idea what's coming, right? Yeah. Like, it was like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I get yeah. that perspective. I get, but no, she doesn't take it like, you know, some people are like, oh, but, you know, but yeah. you're known they for whatever. Hold it over you right, know. right. And I'm like, no, no, no. She, she's the type who's like, no, my life is mine. His life is his. We're together. But I, like, she's like, it doesn't mean anything for me that he did this stuff before we met. Like, yeah. that's just, that's who he was it's then. His past. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've met people, um, a lot of people that like have this crazy history, just partying and right. getting with girls and doing all that. And it's, it, they seem to struggle settling down. And I think that oh, it was a struggle. Yeah. 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 No. So, it, it, you know, here's the thing though. I did all for me, all my struggle was before I was in the relationship with her. So it, it, a lot of people had this idea. Oh yeah. She's the girl that tamed the bad boy. Right? Oh. No, 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 that's not how it works. Like it, it, if the relationship is that, then it, they don't work. Like I know dudes like, like I know guys who are way more famous, like real, like famous, famous who like got married and like, they kind of, not that they didn't want to get married, but they're, like, they're like, Oh, I guess I'll get married. Cause I like her a lot, but they're not even they ready to <laughs> get married. Settling, that yeah. shit works in 0% of the time. Yeah. Zero. The, the, the girl who tames the bad boy ends up getting divorced yeah. pretty much always, right? I don't know of any exceptions. Whereas what I did was different. I knew I wanted a family and a relationship and a serious one with a great wife. And so I, uh, like, I, you know, I, I was talking to my therapist about this, you know, two years into our, and so like I did six months a year of work around that mm. before I ever met her that got me to the yep. point where, um, like I could meet a girl like that and that she would want to actually be with me. Right. And I would be in the place to be able to have yep. that relationship. Right. And it, it was so funny. My therapist was so good. Yeah. <laughs> good. Cause I remember telling yeah. like, I, you know, I'm like, I, you know, I'm trying to meet girls and like, you know, like nothing's, nothing's working out. And she's like, Tucker, you're meeting all the girls you're meeting are girls who are emailing you to hook up. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh fuck. <Yeah. laughs> it's like, you really think you're going to yeah. marry one of yeah. those? And I'm like, Ugh. right. Right. How good, I don't like it when you're right. Yep. And then it was, the, <laughs> no, but the best part was she, like, uh, she's like, okay, well they, tell me like what you're looking for in a woman. And like, I started, you know, Remember the list that girls would make in middle school? All my husband's going to like, and it would be like a hundred things long, right? And like, I basically made a list like that. And she goes, does this woman exist? And (laughs) I was like, yeah, "Yeah, of course. I kind of narrowed down the guy. And then she goes, okay, this woman's a badass, right? I'm like, she's a total badass. She is a smoke show and she's smart and she's this and she's that. And she looks at me and she goes, why does she want to be with you? And I was like, bitch, I'm paying you money. She's like, no, 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 I don't mean that as an insult, but that woman can pick just about any guy she wants. Why you and not a guy just like you who doesn't have any of your problems? And I was like, fucking, I will knock your ass out. I was so, I was mad, but I was like, fuck, she's right. She's 100% right. The girl I want right now doesn't want me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and it wasn't a whole lot of things I had to change, but there were a couple very important, substantial things I had to get, you know, cause like at that point I was still sleeping with three girls at a time or whatever. And I'm like, 
Right. Why would the girl, like, why would she, she's not going to step into that midstream. Like, of course not. And so I had to really kind of decide, okay, what do I want? How serious am I? And then how do I orient my life so that uh, I start to attract that person into it and then I'm ready to receive her, you know? That was not easy, dude. That took time. Yeah, it's it's been a tough pill to swallow. You know, I do believe in the law of attraction and I get, you know, whenever I I start talking to a girl and they want to, like make it more serious. I always just tell them like, no, like I'm not the person I want to be yet. So like, I don't want to like try to, it might just be a personal preference of mine, but it's like, I'm not trying to like manage two things. Like I'm not in the position uh, I want to be in yet. Like I'm not the person yet, but like I'm close, but it's, you know, I couldn't agree more with what you were saying as far as there's still a lot of work to be done before making that settle. Today's episode is brought to you by Line One Nutrition. Since their inception 13 years ago, Line One Nutrition has steadily grown into one of the most trusted supplement companies in the world, consistently formulating groundbreaking muscle building supplements enjoyed throughout the USA and at military bases around the world. Excellent customer service is a staple of Line One Nutrition and is a big reason they've maintained a dedicated customer base with clients who reorder time and again. Line One Nutrition's products aren't the garden variety proteins and pre-workouts found on the shelf. They've spent years developing a line custom engineered to exceed normal standards and meet every need from mind-blowing pre-workouts to incredible joint support with CBD and even green energy Malaysian Kratom, which provides fantastic stress-reducing anti-inflammatory properties that benefit athletes of any kind. But where Line One has really made their mark is with their lean muscle-building supplements. No other company can match Line One's unique, potent, proven effective muscle builders. The bottom line is, if you're serious about taking your physique to the next level, visit www.lineonenutrition.com today and use code AFC15 to save 15% off your entire order. So, so what you're telling the girl yeah. is you aren't you aren't good enough to marry me. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're well, just telling her from yeah. your side. Yeah, I'm like... When I really have my shit together, I'll have women way better than you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Uh, you're saying. That's what you're saying, which bless your heart, but that is exactly what you're saying. I mean, when you put it that way. (laughs) Um, So I guess were were you ever, you know, kind of on the the topic of fitness too, um, were you ever out of shape and how did being in shape versus like out of shape impact your ability you know, with women I mean, or to attract them. Relative to me, mm-hmm. I've been out of shape, but I've never been like, you know, some disgusting fatty like most people nowadays. But no, no. I, <laughs> yeah. Like the worst yeah. I ever got was I think 03 or 04. I think I, I think I hit 210 pounds. I'm, I'm probably like 180 right now. I think it was 179 this morning. And so like, uh, and I'm not in fantastic. Yeah, I'm probably whatever. I'm in like. Uh, Just healthy. Yeah, I, I'm good, good shape. Yeah can do everything I want physically pretty easily. You know, I, I do jujitsu three times a week. I do whatever. Where at? Um, at Gracie Umata. Like where uh, Tim Kennedy rolls. Like at Tim's school? Well, no, Tim, Tim just opened a, yeah. a branch in Cedar Park. Mm-hmm. But like he used to roll with, you know, Paulo and the and down on. They're uh, doing a thing tomorrow. Yeah. Actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so it's the same, same lineage, same everything. Yeah. Um, no, I've rolled with Tim hundreds of oh, times. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like he's. The worst to roll with. I, I really hate this <laughs> with him. Yeah. The only good thing yeah. about it is I know. Okay, so he's literally one of the best hand-to-hand 
fighters in the world. Like, oh, yeah. there's just no doubt about that, right? So, like, I know how I'm going to do against someone who is way stronger, way more skilled, way more motivated than me. Because who? There's no one I could ever fight hand to hand who's going to be harder. Maybe yeah. as there's a handful who are as hard. You know, like, a, yeah. like whatever. There's there's people as good as him. Yeah, and they're basically all in the UFC. This is true. (laughs) And Uh, so I know, okay, like if I have to fight John Jones, I basically know how it's going to go. I'm going to get my ass kicked, right? I know how. But like, it's like, all right, I can handle it. Like, it's not. Well, depends which John Jones you're getting. Well, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Did he just do a bunch of blow? Well, he did the well, if he did a bunch of blow, it would probably be it's worse, natural. actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get what you're saying. But, yeah, no, I, um, you know, kind of uh, back on that, you're saying, so you, you roll in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. You were doing CrossFit. Yeah. Um, you not do any of those anymore? No, I like, uh, man, I'm 46 now, and I live on a ranch, yeah. right? So, like, I live, I have kettlebells. I have a... Have you ever used a Bulgarian bag? Do you know what oh, that yeah. is? Oh, yeah. Uh, growing up wrestling, we used to... Oh, right. Of course, yeah. dude. Flip them. Yeah. Oh, they're brutal. Those yeah. things are... You look at it, you forever, look at it yeah. you're like, this is... What kind of pussy-ass shit is this? Oh, dude. Yeah. It, is, it is a violent yeah. pussy-ass yeah. shit. <laughs> Those things will fuck your uh, shit up, dude. So I have a like an Airdyne Bulgarian bag, kettlebells, and like that's pretty much all I do now. Yeah. Um, and that's more than enough. You know, plus ranch work, like actual ranch work. I have cows, sheep, a flock of sheep, uh, dogs, bees. Um, we have chickens, like fences to men. Like I have actual physical, like, I mean, you look like you grew up doing farm labor, like actual farm labor. My first job was at a horse racetrack, cleaning stalls. <laughs> I cleaned stalls in high school too. Yeah. I shoveled actual horse shit. It was not fun. Yeah. But horses are cool, but I... Uh, what kind of horses I, were you around that were cool? Uh, the Well, they're just core horses. Oh, and, yeah. Like okay. Appaloosas. Dude, I shoveled yeah. sh- uh, horse shit on a thoroughbred farm. Those oh. guys are assholes. Yeah. They'll they kick bite you. you yep. and kick you. They're mean. They're yep. fuck. They're horse the bites are the worst. Oh, I, dude. Horrible. Uh, yeah. I actually... You know, dude, it's so funny. My my old boss, him and his wife, like sweetest people ever, but they wanted to go to 6th Street one time. Right. And we go down there, and his wife is like a magnet for chaos like right. everything bad happens to her she fell like five times but she wanted to pet one of the police horses and it bit her hand like bad uh. and she started crying and had to go home <laughs> <laughs> so i just dude a horse bites they, oh, they suck and horses don't dogs. care they're like no they don't give a fuck right and so did you always see yourself having a ranch yeah i mean I, my wife and i knew we'd live on land mm-hmm. and raise our kids there and I'm like i'm not living in Man, like uh, we knew we would go and then COVID hit and we're like, uh, what the hell have we been waiting for? Let's go. Yeah. How was that for you? The whole, when everything. Yeah. So it's it's fun. Like, so for the first three weeks or whatever, two weeks, I was the same as everyone. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, uh, But then like, I was like, hold on a minute. Like, uh, and I kind of woke up pretty quickly that like, this is something's off here. And then by, you know, by mid April, like, okay, this is bullshit. By May, I was back doing jujitsu. Like we didn't officially open for a while, but you know, like Paula's Brazilian. He didn't give a fuck. Well, all the, a lot of gyms were doing that. They were just like people in. Yeah, exactly. So we were, we were back rolling by May. But, but you know what the funny thing with COVID, you know, everyone says they love their family. I love my family. What I realized during COVID is I really like my family. (laughs) No, I I like, you're around them all the time. Yeah. Total difference. And uh, uh, we went walks every day, you know, because yeah. I'm traveling. And I'm like, what the fuck was I traveling for? Like, yeah, I, I know there's a reason, but this is bullshit. This is way better. And so yeah. that's part of where, like, let's go get on land and let's stop all this other bullshit and literally just be with us, ourselves and our kids and whatever. 
and that and we started we literally just you can look at my instagram we started a school that that uh, opens in the fall we bought some oh, land yeah, near I saw us. That. Yeah, yeah, you like are creating a whole community. Oh, dude, it's like the school's almost That's, full, man. Yeah. Like, uh, for next year, it's a Waldorf. It's uh, amazing, amazing people working there. Like incredible. Like, What's the uh, method behind the school? Because Waldorf, I, Waldorf. Uh, so what? What is Waldorf? Okay. And I asked because Tim started his school, and it's off the. It's an Acton. Yeah. yeah, it's a method. Uh, it's Acton is the method. That's that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's an Acton. So, um, uh, I, if we lived up north, mm-hmm. I would have gone to Tim's school. Like, yeah. I was like super. I'm like, yeah, obviously, I'm a, a, a friend of Tim's. So, like, um, but uh, we live like an hour and a half yeah. away from him or something. So it's like, all right, dude, I, I want you to succeed, but we got to have our own shit. And so Waldorf, Waldorf is essentially imagine it's if you had like a Imagine you were trying to raise a Renaissance like a uh, kid, yeah. at, at, but you also teach them like uh, like all like nature stuff and woodcraft. Like a Waldorf is that you build if you do it right, it has a biodynamic farm mm-hmm. uh, on it on the school, right? And, and so like which is like biodynamic is even more extreme than organic, right? And uh, and and you kind of have like classrooms in the woods basically, and the kids learn you know uh, music and movement and dance and. Uh, like skill carpentry and blacksmithing and all this cool Good stuff trades they right but learn, then yeah. also like you know you read the you know the the uh, you know uh, 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 like a greek poetry and you like a true renaissance education but also very grounded in nature and very very woo woo but yeah. woo in a way that like makes sense mm, you know okay. like not stupid stuff yeah and it's been around for like 120 years started in germany a long time ago and uh like it's it, it's by in my opinion by far the best educational method like i didn't know shit about any of the educational methods before i had kids either there's yeah. no reason you should know it doesn't yeah. make it if you knew and didn't have kids i'm like what this dude's a little weird like why would you know that but <laughs> yeah. like uh acting yeah. is like entrepreneurial mm-hmm. right yeah. acting's Better than public too. It's it's a very different style. It's more like the kids pick everything. Yeah, that's what I remember. Right, that, right. You know, Which is based around failure. Or, yeah, right. Like no, no, no. So like, well, not, not, I mean, not, not failure. Not, it's based more around. It's like a student led education. Yeah, it's called unschooling, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so, which is the original Montessori way. Like Montessori shifted and kind of being stupid now, but the original Montessori was. Um, essentially interest-led education the, where the kid got to do whatever they were into. And then ideally in monasteries, you teach the kid through what they're into. So if they're into building birdhouses, you can teach them the world through birdhouses, right? Waldorf is sort of like that, but there is a, there's a pretty clear sort of progression that they go through. Um, I think it's the best of both worlds. And I love just every teacher I've ever met who's a true Waldorf teacher is like, I'm like, I wish that that was my teacher. Yeah. I wish that person (laughs) was my teacher. Like they're amazing. Is there a reason you wanted to start your own versus like, is it just, do you have problems with the public education system now? Well, so the, the Austin Waldorf, the, the one that's like known, we had a bishop who's out there, my son, my seven-year-old mm-hmm. now. We had him in kindergarten there. And the teacher there was uh, Miss Lee, amazing. Like, she, yeah. literally, I'm like, I wish she was my grandmother. I, like, <laughs> I want her to move in with us. Yeah. Like, I loved her. <laughs> yeah. And um, then COVID hit. Yeah. And the administration of that school went full lunatic woke. Oh, like, we're going to teach first graders that they're racist. And it's like, the fuck you are. Yeah. Like, no. And so us and 50 other families broke off and started our own school which is kind of in the bee caves area. Yeah, okay. And, um, and, and that school lasted two years coming to an end this year. And that school is breaking up into three different parts because like 
there's a lot of reasons, but the main reason is like uh, we were all it was like a bunch of people in Spicewood, a bunch of us in yeah. kind of Weston Dripping, and then a bunch in Austin. And so like Bee Caves was like the closest to everybody, mm-hmm. but it's like we have to thirty minute commute every day. It's like this sucks, right? And everyone else like no, let's just have different schools, right? And so we the Dripping group put together. We bought ten acres and. Mm-hmm. We now have a school, and then the Spicewood uh, group is already broken off, and then the other groups going to, I think, move closer into Austin. Yeah, I I've seen a huge shift into like, um, what do you call it? Like independent schools and like homeschooling yes. and things. And I don't have any kids that I know of, but I also don't have any like ties to the school system, or education system. From what I've noticed, it's vastly different from when I grew up. Yeah. You know, when I was growing up, there was no narrative or agendas or anything it was just learning well there was, was a copy and there paste was it was everyone was cool with it you know yeah. like stand up say the pledge of allegiance oh, yeah that's a narrative and agenda it's just like everyone's cool with it so it's yeah. not like there's no controversy yeah. around well it was just there was there was never this much emphasis on like sexuality and like you that know that's so i don't ridiculous. i just don't it's under- so beyond ridiculous uh, yeah. it's it's actually not it's it's abusive grooming. It's fucked yeah, up. It's the whole fucking I'm thing. Just, yeah. I, I'm just, I want to talk to someone that's like in favor of it. So they, I can hope that they can give me their understanding of it. Cause I genuinely don't get where it's Dude, like, I'm, at. I, I'm just, I, I know a lot of those people. I'm just going to tell you, man, uh, good luck not going over the table with them. man. <laughs> uh, I've never, yeah. I've never had anyone uh, who's seriously like, who seriously gets that, who can explain it in a way that isn't creepy pedophile shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I again, uh, I don't know too exists, much about it, but, but I, I know that field yeah. decently well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got the the. It's messed I mean, up. you started your own school. I would imagine you would <laughs> would yeah, know it. Struggle, yeah. And um, but Josh, like yeah. when you and I got out of school, even from like a, just a fundamental standpoint, yeah. were we really ready for adult? Oh hell no! Oh no no, dude! I moved to I moved to Maui, Hawaii, like three months after I graduated high school. Just. Wanted to get out, right? Just wanted to yeah. do that. I was so in over my head. I was barely 18. I didn't know what, like, how to survive. I didn't know how to apply for, you know, an apartment or do anything. I stayed at my cousin's, <laughs> and I realized this is not going to work. Uh, went right back to Idaho and uh, my tail between my legs. And then that's kind of how I, I started training to go play uh, football and uh, do that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely have had an issue with, with that. Uh, aspect of like the school system where they don't prep they don't prepare kids and then even when i first moved here i was running the nutrition store uh and i could not believe how many because we'd hire a lot of like 18 19 year olds they were so they lacked problem solving skills and they were so entitled yeah you know oh i don't get paid enough for this i'm like you agree to the wages (laughs) like what do you mean you'll get paid enough get paid more somewhere else yeah well so that's actually how i know marlon marlon worked at a competitor store and so he did the same thing as me just for a different company. Yeah. And that's one thing we always laugh about is like, you just ask someone to do some basic shit and they'd be like, it's not, I'm not doing that. I'm like, you have to They're like, we'll fire me. I'm like, okay, bye. Okay, <laughs> I will. Yeah. It was like the ongoing thing in that industry yep. we were in was like, we would make a good living, yeah. but you like the way the business model worked, you couldn't pay the other guys much. Yeah. yeah. And you were having to hire like competent, like 20 some odd year olds that needed you yeah. know, 20 some odd year old money, not yeah. like 17 year old money. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was, was brutal. That's all it was. Yeah. And so, so I guess what's going on, you know, now, do you have any, are you working on any projects? Do you have anything long-term uh, future goals? Yeah. I got a, I got a ranch in Dripping Springs. That's it. That's and I got four kids. Oh, well, that's a full-time that's, that's gig yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. How old are each one? 
seven, five, three, and a newborn. Oh wow! Hey, congrats! Yeah, yeah congrats, that's yeah. yeah. There's been a, it's a, a lot, lot of sex to do. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a there's. I mean, there was not a lot else to do in 2020, and you know, then going into 2021. God, that was so awful and annoying. I being I, I can't imagine I do it being single. Dude, that must have been the worst. Well, it sucked because it was like everything awful happened the week prior to COVID. It was my buddy killed himself, and then going through the funeral and doing all that stuff and then trying to balance my job which i was doing consulting and stuff at the time right and it happened at the beginning of march so all of them backed out so i didn't get paid and then had like a nasty breakup then my car like took a shit on me and like none of the credit card companies would work with me yeah so they were like no we're not going to defer i'm like you're deferring everyone else they're like you don't qualify and i'm like so it was just (laughs) like one thing after another and uh Oh man. And then like everyone left, like yeah. a lot of people left. So yeah, I was going crazy, but, um, uh, I did start to learn how to appreciate, like you were saying, taking walks. Yeah. Like I used to, every morning I would ride a bike. I bought a bike and I would go ride this trail not too far from here and find ways to like not be stuck at home. Yeah. I go crazy and oh, it's brutal. So with, um, you know, you're, you're saying you do jujitsu as well. Do you, is it just like, are you a hobbyist with it? Or do you actually like try to go to tournaments and stuff? No, I, I, I mean, I'm not a hobbyist, but I don't compete. Okay. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I take it seriously. I'm brown belt. Like oh, cool. I'm like on the path, but no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not competition is like a whole separate. I got four kids. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> That's my yeah. competition. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, so are you just mainly doing, um, just exercising things like that just to maintain health? You're not like trying to work towards anything. Um, I mean, th- look, th- the main, <clears throat> so the main reason I train mm-hmm. is health. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But like, uh, the, especially since COVID, like I definitely was not as like, I didn't do, uh, I still do jujitsu, but I didn't do any gun training or knife yeah. training, anything like that pre COVID. Cause I'm American. I live in America. <laughs> it's safe. Like, you don't, I don't need to carry, you no. know, weapons with me everywhere. Like it, we're fine. I have one in the, in the house, fine, whatever. But then like, you know summer of 2020 hit and America went fucking crazy and shit has not gotten less violent since. And so like I do, um, I do uh, knife training now at a place called Patterson Martial Arts with uh, the guy, the main guy there is a Sayat Kali instructor, which is like kind of the best knife fighting uh, thing. And so I do that. I have a gun range on my ranch and I train like, um, uh, you know, I shoot there pretty consistently, um, which is a cool part about being in Texas. You can just build yeah. a range and yeah. start shooting. And it's like, no problem. Yeah. And uh, uh, so like, it, and it's one of the main reasons to stay in shape is like, I hope things don't get worse, Yeah, but yeah. I am absolutely not going to just hope for the best. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's my dad. You say, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And no, I yeah. I'm, I'm with you. You know, I, I'm confident. I think people are getting kind of burned out on just divisiveness and fighting, but, it again i would yeah, rather but when food shortages start that's a whole so like uh, well you got the ranch you man I, we're gonna be fine <laughs> yeah. but there are but a lot of people who aren't gonna be fine yeah. you know and famous. and like those people are gonna go looking for food man and like i i hope it doesn't come to that but no. it really looks like it is yeah well, in, I, in a shitty shitty scary way man yeah yeah well you know I feel more confident in this state than I would in somewhere oh, like totally. California. Hundred percent. Oh so. no! If you're in California, have yeah. fun. Enjoy <laughs> have the fun. apocalypse you asked yeah, for. Exactly. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, um, well, Tucker, uh, what 
Where can uh, people find you? Social medias, websites. Like, don't find me. Don't come to my don't, ranch. I'm not, <laughs> don't don't no. look you up. Or don't kid. ask. He's uh, lying about Dripping Springs. Yeah, yeah right. he's in Nevada. Uh, like. uh, <laughs> no, the cool part about Dripping is it's so expensive now. And yeah. so, like, it sucked when we bought there, but we bought, like, you know, far enough, long enough ago where it's like, man, I don't even know if I can afford my ranch now. Yeah. And, I, and I was one of the assholes hey. coming and buying, making, driving the price up. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like, you, you can't, and they're not, not issuing any more building permits. And so it's like, like, just if you're there, you're there. If you're not, have fun. Oh, man. Um, Makes uh, you want to sell, but it's like, where do you go? Yeah, yeah. dude, exactly. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, I know, like I, I, you know, I bought trucks right, like the beginning of COVID, and people are like, "I'll give you a you know, hundred grand over ass or whatever." And I'm like, "Nah, man, that's all right." <laughs> like, because what am I gonna buy? Yeah, right. There's no, there's no replacement. Uh, um, uh, for so if you want to read stuff that I write, go to TuckerMax.com. Uh, Otherwise, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only time someone's ever said that. I always get people promoting them, and yeah. then this is the first guy that's like, "Don't find me. Yeah. Read my stuff, but don't yeah. don't reach out to me. Yeah, don't, don't reach out. <laughs> don't, don't message me on Instagram. Be I don't go into the requested messages. Uh, now, nah, y'all can get it going. Get yeah. Well, I feel lucky then. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> but no, man, I appreciate you coming out. I was really excited. Um, you know, I uh, uh, we'll definitely have to run it back and. Um, we're always doing stuff, so I'll keep you in the loop. Cool. Let's have some fun. Yeah. But Marlon, you know what to do. Take us out, good sir. Uh-huh.